Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You're listening to Book Club Babes. Let's get into it. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? Oh, I am good. How are you? Oh, good, good. We've got a brand new babe by the looks of it from what I'm seeing. Oh, and is it Taylor Swift? It's Taylor Swift. (laughs) Caitlin has left the pod and Taylor Swift has entered the chat. So lucky us. Yeah, I went and did it. I was um, envious of Taylor's bangs for far too long and just decided. See, but the thing is, this is not a new hairstyle for me. So I knew it would look fine on me. True. Because in my early 20s, I had bangs. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. I know I'm not going to look bad. I just have to do it. Yes. Yes. And it's the, I still don't think I'm over the, um, the memories of the downfalls of it, but it looks beautiful. Like when you had bangs? Well, yes. Cause I'm a very oily person. So it would, I'd have to wash the bangs every day, even if I didn't yeah. want to wash my hair. So yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, but I also really like your face without bangs. Aww. Like you've got a really nicely shaped face. I like seeing your forehead. Oh, well, it's, it's a nice forehead. It's it not too nice protruding. Forehead. It's it's four fingers. It's not five. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's like the right amount. It's just a really yeah. nice forehead. Oh, so. thanks. Thanks. Yeah. thanks. Yeah. I did. I feel like my 20s was defined as my bangs, though. Like, yeah. I had bangs for like 10 years. However, correct me if I'm wrong, but were you maybe like hiding behind your bangs a True. little bit? Oh, shoot. Oh, fuck. I'm too stoned for this, bitch. No, I don't want to talk about that. Um, Sorry, that's way too much information for any of you. Oh, you got deep. You got deep. Yeah, I'll cut that. Anyway. Anyway. What are you reading? What are you doing? Oh, my God. Literally like nothing i that week off i just like didn't read sometimes you just gotta just get stoned and watch tv for a whole week yeah i don't even know like what i had been doing though like it's not even anything there's a bunch of like new documentaries on netflix that i've been wanting to watch like the devil one which i like started watching and then haven't gone back to and there's this other one i don't know i'm like i'm i'm in a i'm in a season of indecision (laughs) fair it is the changing of the seasons as well and i'm so fucking over it too like i'm already bummed that we've got six more months of winter i tell i'm telling you spend a few thousand and go to cuba for like a weekend you and marty yeah i think that i would quite like it if i had a book and my phone true and then marty would just drink but I do worry about, I do quite like my vape when I'm not doing, when I'm relaxed. Exactly. Yeah. True, true, so true, true. So what do you true. do there? Oh, I'm sure Marty would find something for you guys. That's <laughs> You're not, not a problem. <laughs> You're he not- lo- a guy likes to talk. He likes to talk. He'd talk to anyone. Oh my 
my god he will talk to anyone he asked me if i wanted to go out for dinner tonight and i was like no because i'm just no. not in the mood to talk to everyone i literally haven't talked to anybody all day and i still don't want to talk to anybody whereas you have been talking to people for 12 hours and still <laughs> want to go still out yeah that, you're not even kidding that is exactly it I haven't spoken to anyone except for Marty today this morning when he kissed me goodbye <laughs> I haven't spoken to anyone except for you and now Ruby. and Ruby oh yeah and, and Ruby. Ruby and Bowie yeah. she's got pretty eyes that Bowie ever since yeah. I don't know if I told you this but oh yeah so let's go food. over to to yeah did I tell you cat corner pod cat corner not on the pod you gotta tell cat everybody. Cat club, babe. Our cat club, babe. Yeah. So my cat, she's like 14 years old. I've had her since she was six months old. She was pretty obese, and she, what her fur was kind of like she was shedding a lot, and it was very matted. And so I would try to brush her and everything, but you know, it is what it is. She's old, and she also had like these eye, like because she, she's a white cat, she mm-hmm. got these like big black brown spots under her eyes. Well, I switched her food because I always had her on dry food. So I switched her to a new quality dry food. And I also started feeding her wet food once a day. Oh, my God. The transformation on that fucking cat. She's acting like a kitten again. She literally gets her toys and runs around the house. She's lost so much weight. She doesn't have her eye goopies. And her fur is like silky soft. Whoa. Whoa. Sorry. Um, I love Ruby and I love everything about her, but are you describing that your cat is being more of a dog than your dog? Yes. <laughs> my okay. cat is being more of a dog than my dog. Yes. No, Bowie's always been the one to greet me at the door when I come inside. <laughs> Ruby never has in her uh, life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't oh, Bowie sitting there. She's like, hi. Hello. So anyway, if you've Aww. got a cat and they're old and their fur is not looking its best, consider changing the food to wet food. That's a good that's a good kitty. Yeah. Works works out. Anyway, cat corner commenced. Cat corner commenced. So like do you have any books? No books? No, book, I'm still book, reading book, the Rachel incident. Um that's all I got. What about you? I have got some new things on the go. Tell me everything. Okay. Well, I started Shark Heart. Oh as, as recommended for Kate as by Kate. How Caitlin. far are you? How far are you? How far are you? Not far at all. Oh have you gone to the oh. nose part yet? No. Oh, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> They're describing their like literally I've just started and oh. yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, um that's my physical book. Then my ebook, I'm getting back, I'm trying to get back into reading, is Animal Animal by Lisa Tadito. You read that. I think yeah, that probably book about is fucking weird. It's fucking weird. It's mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. I can't tell what's going on yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the whole way through. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, you said yeah, it's like yeah. a plot, a book without a plot kind yes. of thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I'm interested Story to hear your take out. afterwards because the characters have stuck with me. Well, yeah, she is very strange, and I find myself thinking about the main woman and like, what's her deal? Like, why is she so obsessed with this person? Mm-hmm. in a across the whole di- whole country anyways mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. i can't actually remember how it ends but i'll tell you i'll, I'll, re- I'll fresh i'll fresh you up on it <laughs> and then i'm listening to an amazing book oh my gosh this book is so good i'm not even done yet but it's so good um it's called a heart in a body in the world by deb coletti and it is amazing it's an amazing book 
that's good is it a ya or is it yes yeah it oh is. you love a it ya is. like I do. audiobook yeah 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 mm-hmm. true i really do because i feel like you don't have to like 100% keep yes. your attention on it yes. you can get the gist of what's yes. going on and if you've missed something it's not too hard to figure it out right yeah but- yeah Whereas like a thriller, you want to be like listening. Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. wait, what? And you like skip back a minute or like three chapters. Yeah. And yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, baby, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Any pods mm-hmm. or docs or TV? No, or... I've been trying to do get my read on. Oh. So. But you've also got your H-E double hockey sticks. Oh, happening. true. I'm back. I'm back at hockey, which is nice as well. So, yeah. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Good for you. That's exciting. Woo-hoo. Um, oh, something interesting happened to me this week. I mm. was going in to listen to the newest episode of Something Was Wrong because we had that Wondery subscription and I listened to half of the episode and my app went weird and I was like, oh, no worries. And so I quit it and then I went back in to listen to the episode and because it was an advanced episode and our Wondery subscription had expired, I was no longer able to listen to the second fucking half. No, no, nor or like nor. next level. I literally was like, "Wow, that's all nor. I had to say to Wondery." Like, "Wow, <laughs> you couldn't go. even let me finish the episode." But <laughs> like, what even happened? So yeah, that's cool. So I guess now, now we're back to being suckers and listening when everybody else does. Oh, suckers and all those ads and stuff we don't get to listen to. Speaking of ads, oh baby book club babes is moving on up in the world oh you shoot look at us may go or may not hear an ad or five in an episode yes we um, tried to space them out being a conscious pod or listeners yes. ourselves so we we thought about it a lot and we were like i think our babes will be excited for us that we're like true taking the pod to the next true. level so mm-hmm. hopefully yeah. you are we have some new babes. How many? Uh, like six. Wow. Quick maths. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Marie, Eve, Naily, Nicole, Kristen, Casey, and Lydia. Nice. Welcome all. Hi. Is it Lydia with a Y or an I? Mm-hmm. With a, a Y? y? Oh, I love y. a Y in a name. Probably because I have a Y in my name. Probably. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. That was good. <laughs> I want to pre-discuss the book before we get into the actual okay. book. Because okay, so bright young women. I was just I just did some reading on the internet because we know we all know that this is supposed to be loosely based around like Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Um, although a few things to note that I really loved was first, apparently he will only be listed as the defendant throughout the entire book. And I fucking love that because she's like, we don't need to give him Mm -hmm. any more fame. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't deserve a name. He's exactly. And the whole like narrative of what she's trying to do is really to flip that narrative. And instead of having like everybody swoon over this fucking serial killer, she's like, no, these women are are the Mm -hmm. ones that we should be paying attention to, which have really gotten lost in the narrative 40 years Mm -hmm. later, which makes a lot of sense. So I have a couple things that I wanted to say from a Washington Post article. Um, That article says, historically, thriller and true crime writers are notorious for 
for sensent for fuck's sake sensationalizing sensationalizing and eroticizing violence against women bright young women turns this misogynistic tradition on its head Noel's depiction of violence is more personal than graphic filtered through pamela's emotional reactions women are warriors in this story and that part about the um, depiction of violence really got me because it's true she is describing like what she's seeing but it's not that like you know we put the luminol on and it lit up like a christmas tree mm-hmm. like it's not that mm-hmm. like um typical like yeah yeah it is personal in a way because it's coming mm-hmm. from pamela the other thing that i wanted to say was i read this in a harper bizarre article and it's about when Jessica watched um, a 2019 Netflix docu- docu-series featuring experts who called this serial killer as a mastermind. She was disturbed to hear the sentencing judge refer to the defendant as a, quote, bright young man, love Italian, in the courtroom mm-hmm. um, with victims' families present. And then this is what Jessica had to say about that. Initially, I knew I wanted to write something that would center the women and talk about how they were bright they had promising futures but what i didn't expect to find was so much evidence against the narrative that he was a bright young man and i fucking love that because it's like Mm -hmm. it's i just love it like changing like flip the script Yes. yes the other thing i wanted to say was that i had a really hard time getting into this book at first because of Mm -hmm. the non i had to look this up the non-linear narrative style how she's talking about what's happening in the present but then she'll go back to the past and then she'll tie it right back into the present like I I really struggled with that because um sometimes it doesn't totally make sense until you keep reading and I hate that like I'm always like what what are you talking about but I kept going and I'm really happy the other thing that this book reminded me a lot of is Pamela's character reminds me so much of um Esther from the bell jar it's got like this writing style is feeling like really familiar to me and that's where my mind went so interesting interesting okay. little connection with my brain oh cool cool should anything we else? i guess just get into it then let's fucking do it All right, so I start, eh? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're with Pamela, and it is she is in Montclair, New Jersey, and it is day 15,825. What does that convert to in years, I bet? I wonder. Uh, It would be almost 40 years, maybe-ish. Wait, what am I dividing it by? 12? No, um, 360 five oh 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 math mirth 43 years the math the math maths the math be math that is girl math (laughs) just kidding that's just my math um okay so pamela receives a handwritten letter that says quote you may not remember me but i have never forgotten you and then we find out that it's been 43 years since her encounter with the quote all american sex killer end quote 
I'm so what? sorry, but I love how we just spent the time to do the math and then you told me how many years it was in your <laughs> of course oh fucking course mm -hmm, mm -hmm, anyways mm -hmm. i love that i love that I this am. is just what happens when you get stoned and you read and you write your notes it's just like what happens it happens anyways i'm I, so sorry i'm not apologizing for who i am this is just who i am okay <laughs> All right, so it's been 43 years, again, if you were wondering, <laughs> just in case you were curious. Um, and she, any, anyway, she's thinking about how she hasn't forgotten the letter, the letter writer either, quote, though she is welded to a memory that I've often wished I could. So I didn't like that because I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? But we obviously find out. We then meet Janet, who calls Pamela Hun, even though she's not that much older than than her and she is pamela's admin assistant um pamela is upset that the letter she received was dated three months ago and janet tells her that it's probably because it's from tala how do you say it tallahassee 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 okay janet tells her that it's probably probably because it's from tallahassee uh and that they would have flagged it which i'm guessing is the office that she's working at yeah with yeah. her admin assistant mm -hmm. <laughs> um so pamela is thinking about how if they had have lived she's like reminiscing she's thinking like oh they miss like snapple and like tickle me elmo and the twin towers going down and that if they had have lived they'd they'd be the same age as michelle pfeiffer and then pamela tells janet that she is going to tell a <laughs> to Tallahassee. <laughs> okay. We're in Tallahassee, Florida. Nice. But but this time it's 43 years earlier. It's January. How many days is that? <laughs> 15,000 <000 laughs> some odd and something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, it is January 14th, 1978, and it's seven hours before. All right. So it's sounding like a typical Saturday night that you would probably be part of in some sort of college roommate situation and or in their sense, a fraternity or no sorority. sorority. I only <laughs> know not that men. because somebody <laughs> that I used to work with, he founded a fraternity and I would always call it a sorority just to piss him off. <laughs> That's funny. But also, you know, somebody who made a fraternity? Yeah, there are fraternities in um, Canada, Canadian universities. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, the girls are all getting ready and Pamela is not getting ready, though. Uh, we find out her, her nickname is Perfect Pam, and she's also planning the 33rd annual blood drive. So that's she's very type A person mm -hmm. um she's making her volunteer schedules for that anyways so then denise who her who is her bff um think tall thin and gorgeous um wants to borrow her jacket because her on again off again boyfriend and sorry currently ex roger 
um, has been asking if she was going to be coming out, which is surprising to Pamela because their last time they broke up, um, Denise had ended up even in the hospital because she was like not eating and vomiting over it. So she's kind of shocked Denise or Pam is. Mm -hmm. Anyways, we find out that Denise was her first friend at Florida State University. um, But lately she's feeling like they're at a bit of an impasse since she's become the sorority president. Um, This was because she wasn't going to bend the rules for um, her closer friends um, in the house. So like the past presidents would and she wanted to set a precedent would even like try to like miss meetings like as a dare almost to her. Um, So Denise isn't quite understanding of the fact that um, Pamela doesn't really want to go out or enjoy going out. Um, She's quite content um, sitting in her room, planning things for the sorority and her sisters while also listening. Hi. (laughs) It is Caitlin. That is me. (laughs) Yes. Um, And she'd rather like just kind of listen to the drama from afar kind of thing. Um. Later on in the front lawn, two of their other sorority sisters are dragging in something very heavy. Um, Denise uses her charm and confidence to whistle down some guys to help with this. So it's just kind of showing like the dynamic of, I think, Denise having a friend that is stereotypically beautiful and smart, Mm -hmm. um, whereas she's feeling less yeah Pamela sorry is Mm -hmm. in Denise where she's feeling less than maybe hasn't Mm -hmm. found herself yet or whatever there's this tradition between the sweetheart fraternity that they share um, and that they steal and swap out this group photo then Pam announces that there's a man on the floor and then they all start a man on the floor sing song chant um but sorry okay um and that is exactly what they start singing the next morning while the officers can collect evidence and looking at them with concern so this is like she has these like weird little like she's telling the story and then she like interjects with a memory yeah. Yes, that's the non-linear narrative. Oh, like, okay. What? Like it, uh, it yes, almost yes, yes, drives yes. me bonk- bonkers because I'm like, no, that's not how the story is going. But I'm just gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> You're just gonna have to deal with it because this is the book we're reading. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these women are very empowered um, to become something, to become more than the norm in the '70s was for women. Um, And it's really, you can see here just by her describing this scenario. Anyways, um, so they're turning out, there turns out they're just stealing the painting for the glass. Um, We find this out because Denise um, has like this boner essentially for the glass. Um, (laughs) And that is because she is a fine art and modern language double major And the plan for Denise and that she had always had was that she was going to um, work with Salvador Dali at some point. Um, And she ends up getting a job at the Salvador Dali Museum and was interviewed by Dali himself 
um, and that she was supposed to be hired as an assistant gallerist and to start the Monday after graduation. So it's kind of painting a picture of these women's futures that yeah. were cut short. One thing, question that I have for you, and I think it was like um, in that chapter, I noticed it a lot. Did you find that the description of this sorority house like layout be so fucking confusing? I just didn't even try to figure it out, to be honest. I was, like, trying to, like, map where things were because, like, downstairs is the kitchen, but it's, like, a restaurant-grade kitchen somehow, the way they're describing it. It's, like, seems, yeah, like, massive and, like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm picturing the bear yeah, and then... <laughs> There's, like, also a point when Pamela had said that, like, she couldn't get through, like, part of a hallway or something. Oh, yeah. And I was, like, what the like yeah have that in a house what does that even mean like I don't get it (laughs) I don't understand yes her them trying to hide it in the the painting in the one room I'm like yeah yeah what is that I don't anyway so if and also I apologize I will be summarizing a lot because yeah okay okay, many many notes yes these chapters are oddly like either really short or really long (laughs) yeah yes 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 I felt like I got a lot of long ones so I might be talking a lot and I apologize in advance (laughs) And I got some, I got some long notes too. This next one's okay, a long note, so stick with me. So we are on January 15th, 1978, and it is five minutes before. So Pamela is thinking that she was awoken by hunger pains, but in retrospect, it may have been more than that. So again, with the non-linear narrative, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why do you keep mm-hmm. saying shit like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I get it. So Pamela is the president of the chapter, which Chantal had kind of um touched on and it kind of means that she's in charge of her sorority um because of this she has her own private room which is like nice uh and she also has a boyfriend whom she isn't it sounds like she isn't quite in love with him but she likes having him around <laughs> mm-hmm. it seems <laughs> like she like... he does a lot of heavy lifting for her yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess pamela at one point i don't know whose chapter it is in but i didn't i know i think it's mine because i didn't write down but i guess at some point she had told denise that she didn't really like having sex and um denise told her that it was a brian her boyfriend problem not a her problem. yeah 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 she's like <laughs> that's because you're not having good sex mm-hmm. which i loved because i'm like yes denise like empowerment all right, so she goes downstairs to get that PB Sammy, Avi, as you do in the middle of the night, and she notices that the chandelier in the front lobby is on, which is unusual. She then hears noises and walks to the back of the house, and she sees that the TV has been left on and that there are plates on the coffee table. Again, unusual. However, she is super upset that the sisters would have left the place like this in such a mess when the alumni are co- coming tomorrow for it's like tea and tour or something for like their tea mm-hmm. and tour yeah so she's like trying to tidy up and blah 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 and then she notices that the back door has been left open again unusual and then she hears a thud above her so she has a little freeze she then sees a man run down the stairs and across the mm-hmm. foyer And at one point, he pauses and crouches down. So because the chandelier is on, Pamela can fully see him, although she thinks she's in the shadow, so he can't see her. So it's this kind of like interesting little thing. Mm -hmm. So for a quick second, she thinks that it's Roger and she's 
pissed that Denise has put her in this situation where she snuck a boy into the house in the middle of the night and then she caught him. So she's mm-hmm. going to have to give Denise trouble. And she's kind of like, oh, why do you keep doing this to me? Um, but she quickly realizes that it is not Roger. The man has a baseball bat with him and she can see that it is covered in something that looks like blood. The man then turns around as if he's looking for someone and Pamela totally freezes because she's like, holy fuck, he does see me. But then she realizes that he actually cannot see her. She is in the shadows. Um, I think he pieces out, whatever. She then goes to Denise's room to give her shit. But on her way there, because she's still thinking it's Roger in, like, this weird way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like her brain can't quite catch up with what's happening. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I gotta go give Denise shit. But on the way there, um, she comes across Jill, whose face has been peeled back to reveal a bone. So it's not a good time. Jill is struggling. Like, something mm-hmm. is very wrong. Um, so she starts running and telling the girls to wake up. Someone asks if the house is on fire. Like, that's the kind of emergency that she right. was creating. She tells some of the girls to call the police and she goes back into Jill's room. She sees blood everywhere. And that's when she sees Jill's roommate, um, Eileen, whose face is also mangled. She then goes into Robbie's room, who is not responding. A police officer comes in behind her and yells for a medic. Bernadette, who is the treasurer, which is considered Pamela's second in command, and also Miss Florida, love that for her, tells Pamela that there is a weird smell coming from Denise's room. She goes to check it out. And, like, this is just so heartbreaking. Immediately, she knows, like, she's aware of what she's going to encounter however she can't help but act as if denise is just sleeping like it's like Mm -hmm. it's like her coping mechanism like Mm -hmm. i know Mm -hmm. what's happening and i understand but like i'm just gonna because even when she saw jill she was like oh there's blood's gonna get everywhere like i need to get a bucket and clean up the carpet Mm -hmm. before it stains like yeah it's just like she's not it's Mm -hmm. it's her survival technique i guess just like carry on it's still january 15th but it is 3.39 a.m. It is complete. It is complete chaos in their house. Um, essentially, they are being, the, all of the sisters are being told to like, go here. No, go there. Um, finally, somebody is just exhausted by telling them where to go. Um, that they just say, just stay in one place and don't disturb anything. So <clears throat> all 35 of the girls um, head to Pam's presidential palace room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The girls continue to just like say things like there's another ambulance coming, um, three ambulances, six cop cars. And like, none of this really needs to be announced, but it's just like the girls are trying to figure out what's going on essentially. Um, Pam and Bernadette um, try to collect as much information as possible from the girls. Um, Someone like to if they heard anything, saw anything strange, etc. Someone suggests that it might be a robbery. um, And then other people um, offer up that they're getting shot by the Soviets and that there might be an impending war. So all different spectrums of what could be happening. 
Imagine how um, confusing that would be, though. Like, yes, of course. In the night, like exactly so disoriented and yeah. like yeah. Some of them were well, out even like out. Yes, partying. partying like, yeah, Jesus. exactly. Oh, yeah. So, so they Pamela and Bernadette are comparing their notes and. Pam uh, notices that Bernadette is still wearing her shirt from the previous night. And this ends up being a very crucial detail in the grand scheme of things. Um, Bernadette tells her that she couldn't get the shirt off and had gone to Robbie's room to ask for help, which she was met with a groan and go away. It's 3 a.m. And it sounds like Bernadette, obviously being a treasurer, is like looks at the clock and goes, actually, it's 2.35 a.m. <laughs> um, you're wrong. You're wrong, actually. It's not 3 a.m. Um, and she goes off and leaves. And then she just then ends the conversation with, like, obviously being distraught, being like, she was, how did I not hear anything? Mm-hmm. Um, she was fine when I left. And she just kept repeating these things over and over again. Of course, sounds like Pam is very, wants to be, a fixer i think Mm -hmm. so um she just tells everybody that it's going to be okay and that we'll go and see the girls soon and she just keeps making more promises um and she reasons to herself that it probably just looked bad um and it's not as bad as it actually is going to be and she's trying to on someone's Hmm. face that's Mm -hmm. bad that is yeah yeah, she likes, oh, it's like the same as like when you cut your ankle shaving in the shower and no. it just won't stop bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, but no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then later the officer comes in finally um, and this prompts Pam to ask him how the girls are. Um, and he responds that they're all at Tallahassee Memorial, which then Pam is filled with relief. Um, knowing that they're all in the hospital being taken care of. Um, We find out that they have to be moved out of Pam's room because they all need to be fingerprinted as well. And then at this point, they are able to call their parents. Pam is also asked to be questioned alone because she had seen the intruder. Um, She's just thinking, okay, get this done. The sooner this gets done and over with, the faster I can go and see Denise and then tidy up the whole house before the alumni arrive. And then I think I'll just call my boyfriend, Brian, and everything's going to be fine. And um, she's thinking that in the end, her chapter will have shown poise in a time of distress. So she's just still trying to fix, fix and pretend everything is okay yeah you're right that's a good way to put it she's a fixer um i had sent it to you too also in an article jessica Mm. had kind of touched on how she sort of thought that pam may have had like a touch of ocd and so Mm -hmm. she is like trying to reorganize everything almost and Mm -hmm. make sense of everything and Mm -hmm. fix everything so yeah Mm -hmm. that adds up exactly it it's very i do feel a connection with pam in that regard I've gotten much better, but I do know that feeling of wanting to put it back in place because then everything will be okay. Right. Yeah. And I guess that's exactly where she's coming from with Mm -hmm. everything that she's thinking, even like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, we got to get this place cleaned up. Exactly. Tomorrow. Like she's still thinking. Exactly. Anything's going to, they're still going to show up at 9 a.m. in six hours. Yeah. Okay. So it is 
4 a.m. now. Pamela is saying that his nose was his most distinctive feature and that one of the girls, I think it was one of the sorority sisters, was attempting to draw a portrait from Pamela's description. The detective and the sheriff are there. Pickle and Caruso, I want to say. Um, and we find out that Caruso was, is, or was, I don't know if this is factual. I get, I'm, I'm I tried to like looked up some of the girls' names and nothing came up. So like they've changed the names and everything as well. Right, right. I don't, I like, I don't really know why I wrote this down and like if it is a fact or not, but Caruso was apparently Leon County's first black sheriff. Maybe just to like set the scene at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, she mm-hmm. also says that they seem, the detective and the sheriff seem quite young. So maybe it's just kind of like setting up the investigation. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So they want Pamela to take them through the house. Sheriff Caruso wants to know more about Roger because Pamela had told him her initial initial thought upon seeing the defendant. Pamela is able to offer some timeline information back to what Bernadette had said about going into Robbie's room Robbie's, at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and they figure out that all of this with the girls and everything had to happen within a 20 minute span. So it took 20 minutes for four women to be beat violently. So Pamela says she needs to call the girl's parents who have gone to the hospital and tell them what happened. So she asked what she should tell the parents and the detective, one of them anyway, I don't know. I just wrote he, so somebody says all the girls are at Tallahassee Memorial hospital miss schumacher which i'm like fuck you that is such a mm-hmm. non-answer especially finding mm-hmm. out like although i like, uh, do you think that pam shouldn't have taken it that far i think she should have like you know mm-hmm. like just yeah. been like you need to come there's been an incident i don't have an update but you can probably get one when you go to tallahassee memorial hospital, memorial hospital. yes yeah. yes i think she could have handled the situation very differently but, but she was also given such exactly. information. And exactly. She I'm want also to believe that exactly. something's happened, right? She's exactly. still convincing herself that everybody's fine. Yes. I can totally understand, obviously, as an outsider, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways. You know what, though? I bet you Pamela would never do something like that again. She true. Make that mistake. Very once. true. That's a that's accurate. Like once in grade four, I made a spelling mistake on the word environment. Envi- I forgot that N in there, environment. Mm-hmm. And it was for um I think environment is like very similar in French as it in as it is in English because it was for Mrs. Labonte's. Remember how she used to make us do like title pages mm-hmm. for random shit? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I spelled yep. environment wrong and she like gave me a bad mark and I've never spelled it wrong again. <laughs> Madame Labonte coming through, I guess. Now you know. Uh, I wish it had how to spell environment. (laughs) Like restaurant. Yes, because I can't. Rest are you rant? I can't either. It's now five a.m. Pam is finally able to call her parents, who we find out have spent a lot of money on neglecting um, Pamela. So it's not. Um, uncommon or unheard of that she would have a fantasy about something bad happen and them having to take care of her in a way that money can't which 
would probably feel awful realizing that, but I can also understand the sentiment as well. So obviously her phone, as probably we're not surprised, just rings and rings and rings. And she starts making up excuses. Oh, they're probably just busy at 5 a.m. in the morning. She makes up all these excuses and then hangs up while she flips out on the phone receiver. And she is just hoping that no one had seen her in this moment of weakness, which is also really sad for her mm-hmm. um and then of course she just starts thinking of the dirty dishes and hopes that the police won't think that they are messy and that they are responsible women instead uh. yeah so first on her list is Rob- roberta shepherd and she just wanted to she figured she wanted to start with someone who hadn't been beaten and she knew that that person was okay so this is robbie's mom do we know that Robbie um, is okay? We find out that she is very uh, much not okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so obviously she calls her dad answered. She's like, okay, Robbie is okay. I am Pamela Schumacher and there's been an incident and intruders come into the house and some of the girls are hurt, but they are all okay. And they're at the hospital. He makes a comment and asks if she was raped. Um, and she's just like, no one was raped in this house, like, which is also Wrong. sad. Wrong. Um, and then he's just like, Well, okay, thank you for this information and goodbye. So then obviously Pam Pamela has some false hope and is like, see, that wasn't so bad. Well, Eileen's mother dropped the phone and her brother had to finish the conversation as soon as she started talking about the facial injuries that Elaine had sustained. Jill's parents just turned out to be plain angry and demanded to speak to somebody in charge. And she was kind of like frustrated. She's like, um, that's me. Excuse me. Hello. Literally me. And hangs up on them. And then finally she calls her friend's mom, Mrs. Andorra. That's Denise's mom. And she's like, well, how is she? is how she answers the phone. So of course this makes Pamela think that she knows what's going on. And she's like, Mm -hmm. she's at the hospital, but she's going to be okay. Obviously that her mom did not know any of this. Her mom automatically automatically assumes that her daughter has been in a car accident. No, no, no. Like a robbery or maybe something like that, but she's fine. She's lucky. Even she's just has minor injuries. Like she is not adding anything good to that conversation it's fucked too because in my chapter when she went and checked on denise i didn't write it down but the smell that my dad had mentioned was like bodily fluids exactly yeah like she's in such denial i guess that's Mm -hmm. shock and yeah like just the shock of it so of course she feels relief to be all done with that um but the phone rings again hopeful that it's her parents but no um it's linda donnelly calling who is a resident at the hospital and also their scholastic advisor obviously asks if they need any help pamela just asks for an update and when they are able to see the girls We find out that Elaine and Jill are in surgery. Pamela asks, what about Denise and Robbie? And this is so bad. Just a miscommunication. Nobody knows what's going on. Um, She asks, the doctor asks for body identification. 
and Denise is her best friend yes yeah yeah it's just a big bad misunderstanding and we find out that both Denise and Robbie expired before they had reached the hospital um she is obviously in shock and only says that the sheriff told Pamela that they were fine and they were at the hospital we realize that they don't have any advocate or anybody who can help these young women who are 21 22 years old um and she's just like i have to go and call robbie's and denise's parents i have to be the one to make this right there's a realization that she's said some things um, i would not have done that personally i would have been like nope nope actually that's the sheriff's job which that is the sheriff's job but anyway she thought everybody was okay i guess of course she calls um mrs and dora and dora back and denise's mom back and she tells them that they she has an update it's not good news she can hear their parents just utter grief Mm -hmm. um and the dad is like, sorry, we can't come to the phone right now, which is like heartbreaking. After that, she goes looking for Sheriff Caruso. She knows that he thinks that Pamela is a know-it-all. Mm. And she felt like she could feel that from the moment they met. Um, She's very and- aware of like yes. how people perceive her. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Self-aware. Um. So... She's just like, I'm just going to pull him aside because I don't want to embarrass him in front of these people. But I do have information before him. Um, And she does have a, um, not a future, uh, what's it called? Present. She has a present thought, though, at the end of this. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, no. (laughs) Or no. Or no. No, but it's written weird. So it's like, what? Okay. is it i guess it's just like a like a a hindsight yes um she has a thought a current thought and she just reflects saying that she almost lived her whole life thinking this way so it's kind of like a not a silver lining but like a realization that if this didn't happen i would probably live my whole life being like excuse me no i'm right kind of Mm -hmm. thing this kind Mm -hmm. of like i I know more than you kind of Mm perspective oh I got the vibe that it was more like um trying to change herself to fit into someone else's Mm. like expectations like because when she spoke with the police officer she pulled him aside because she didn't want to embarrass him but like he knew he obviously knew well yes he never once said they're fine he only only thing they said was they're at the hospital so like he fucking knew and in hindsight, I think she's realizing that they knew, but yeah. I thought that maybe she was thinking that, oh God, I could have lived my whole life being one of the people who are like, um, actually. Well, I saw it as she could have lived her whole life being one of the people who like made herself smaller. Yeah, true. But interesting. I mean, five, six in one, half dozen in another. True. Whatever. All right. It is now 8 a.m. Pamela's decision to go to Florida State University was based primarily on getting a rise out of her mother. So that kind of gives um, some insight into what their relationship is like. Uh, Once she visited the university, much against her mother's wishes, she knew it was where she was meant to go. 
um, and her mother is just full of dist- distaste at this. She says, you're too smart to go to a state school, blah, 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 blah. When Denise and Pamela had visited the house, which is the house that they were in then, they knew it was the sorority for them. Unfortunately, oh, shit. Okay, and now we're back to, like, the story story. We find out that Robbie had died in her bed and Denise had died on the way to the hospital. So, super sad. She then has to tell all the girls this, which would be very traumatic, and they all just ask her why, and then they start having other questions, and she tells them to write them down and that she'll get all the questions answered. Um, Then they all decide that they should go to Denise's church, which Pamela is secretly like, Denise doesn't go Mm -hmm. to church, but her parents don't Mm -hmm. know that, so let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. So now it's 10 a.m., Boris Wren, which is the head of campus safety, was there after church. He informs them that 30 minutes after the assailant fled their house, he had broken into another apartment off campus and beat a female student um, to like the brink of death, essentially. And she is currently at the hospital with the others. Like, Essentially- what do you even get out of 20 minutes? Four people, 20 minutes. That's five minutes each. Like, what are you getting out mm-hmm. of that? It's not that's even crazy. like he's enjoying it. I know that's uh, fucked up, Like, but I can't yeah. justify it in any way. I don't understand. Honestly, yeah. No, I don't, I don't understand. He's just like, we also can't rule out that it wasn't targeted. So essentially, don't ever be alone. And so especially don't ever be alone with men. Obviously, Pamela is wondering where they're going to stay um, <laughs> and and what they should do. And he's just like, well, we got you some locks, but they won't arrive for a few days. And also in that time, we'll just have the frat, frat members stay stand guard. It's fine. Um, it's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> also... Um, Obviously, all the girls are like, wait a minute, you said no guys. Mm-hmm. He's tells them a straight up that they can't afford a hotel for all of them. So then he's just like, oh, maybe I'll try and find you some alumni places to stay at. Um, Pamela asks about her classes and he's like, I'll make sure that I'll see to it. And he, she's like, wait a second, you didn't already do this? Like, But at this moment, Pam's like demeanor kind of flip flops now. Because now she is like, where is the urgency? Where are, like, where is everybody? Why is nobody helping us? What is going on? Like, mm-hmm. realizing that this is not a good situation. Mm-hmm. Um, she asks Gaio, Boris, about the press. And essentially, she finds out that they're just allowed to be there and be in their faces and take pictures and ask stupid questions. Boris just offers to take the list that the girls had come up with and he is going to see what he can do with the list and we find out that Pamela never heard from him again cool yeah um Dr. Donnelly calls she can't even make it to their house because there is so much press 
Um, she reminds the girls not to say anything to anybody um, and that don't worry, we're not going to say anything to anybody because I've just been busy trying to find a place to stay. This is Pam telling her. Mm-hmm. And obviously this Dr. Donnelly sounds amazing. She's just like, no, let I'll help. Like, mm-hmm. let me help you kind of thing. Um, the phone rings again. She's like, oh, right. I have a boyfriend. We find out that it's Brian and she tells him that she is okay but Denise and he she doesn't have to say anything more because he knows what happened to Denise then the police have already taken Roger away in handcuffs Dr. Donnelly ends up coming through with a place for them to stay this woman is Catherine McCall she's happy to help by the time five o'clock and the evening rolls around they're allowed to go back to their rooms and pack. Obviously, um, Pamela's having like the ick feeling as you would. Um, Mm -hmm. The thought of all of them being all over their rooms and going through everything. But in the same breath, she has that thought of like, don't leave me here in charge. Like, I can't do this. So at least she's realizing that I'll be interesting to see how it goes. She figures life out, I guess. Um. Obviously, the press is a frenzy as they leave, um, and then all she can hear is a woman shouting, back the fuck up. And I'm just like, circle pit, circle pit. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like, hell yeah for that woman. Yes. Also, she's a badass. Mm -hmm. She's just Mm -hmm. like, Pamela's first thought, though, is, was that me? Because at this point, she's so exhausted that she doesn't even have a thought she's worried that she's made a fool of the um, fraternity I just feel bad for her anyways nope it turns out it was the badass looking lady with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth it is now 7 p.m Mrs. McCall opens the door and welcomes the girls in they are accompanied by one police guard even though they were supposed to have two Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Sounds safe. And apparently Mm. their property is just like acres and acres and there's just one guy out there out front of the door. (laughs) Sounds about right. Yep. Um, Mr. McCall tells Brian to let him know if his fraternity brother needed a good lawyer. Pamela is again angry and says that she told the sheriff that it was not Roger. So she's like, I think she's kind of feeling responsible for the Roger thing and also just like, why aren't they listening to me? Like, what the Mm -hmm. fuck? Pamela asks to use the phone, and she is taken to the informal informal parlor, which is much more comfortable than the formal parlor. <laughs> I was thinking, like, imagine having all those rooms in your house. Ugh, it's too many. So like, many rooms to clean. Living rooms. Yeah, what the heck? So Pamela's feeling anxious about calling her parents. What if they don't answer? Like, she's just going to feel really rejected and neglected. <laughs> Um, her dad finally picks up the phone. She tells him what happened. He calls for her mother immediately and asks if she's hurt. She says no, but she saw the guy who did it. Her mother gets on the phone and Pamela starts yelling at her, like just being like, where were you? Because she's now experiencing all the emotions and her mother starts crying. So that was a productive phone call. Mm-hmm. Um Bernadette is sleeping in the same room as Pamela, and neither of them can actually sleep. Makes sense. Bernadette confides in Pamela that once, when Denise and Roger were on a break, Roger had taken her out and then assaulted her in his car. 
She doesn't want to tell the police because she hasn't told anyone that story. And Pamela assures her that she won't share it unless she has her consent. She asks if she would mind if Pamela talked to her father in the morning to see what he thought, like if he thought that would be relevant information to the investigation, um, because he's a very good attorney. So then we find out like what her parents, Mm -hmm. you know, makes Mm -hmm. story checks out. Yes. Um, And that then Bernadette says she will let her know in the morning. And one of the things that I felt kind of was the takeaway from that was just how Pamela had said, like, I never broke my promises. And that's why the girls were comfortable sharing mm-hmm. with me, which mm-hmm. I think is, you know, yeah. the point of being a good human. <laughs> Do what you yeah. say. Do what you say. All right. Well, now we're in Jacksonville, Florida. And it's 2021. So this is day 1500, 800- 15,826. She's landed. (laughs) Yes, 43 years. Uh, She's landed there. She's got a rental car and now she's making the long drive to Tallahassee. It seems pretty desolate. This road, no one's around. She's like, okay, I've got to pee. I'll take a road pee. No big deal. (laughs) She's obviously pulled over and then all of a sudden she hears a, um, hello, are you okay? so no i don't either with the way the lights are she can't see them either so she can't tell it's just like a dark silhouette at this point which is also awful yeah and Um, she's peeing like she's exposed so then she's just like wondering what would stop him from like taking her hostage telling her to drive killing her etc he asks if she needs help she politely declines and says thank you no um and then she's wondering if she's actually thanking her killer so then she tells the guy to go away and that she's calling the police and then the guy laughs saying yeah that won't work out here also very creepy no but he is also very right because there is definitely no service um also not how you put someone at ease no no and definitely this next part. And he said, that's why I offer- offered you to help, but in a sing-songy voice. So like teasing her. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Definitely creepy, but he does end up leaving. And as soon as she doesn't see him anymore, she like burns Robert out of there. Get by. Gotta go. Though before Pamela got onto her flight, she had an email from Janet to tell her that they know she is coming and the man who is threatening to kill her is still very much alive which is interesting (laughs) what the fuck now it is day one so i guess they're counting down after the attack and everything that's Mm. happened after (laughs) oh it takes timelines yeah (laughs) (laughs) she takes her coffee into the screen porch and mrs mccall joins her um she wants to give her something and it turns out to be a book on black swan events she tells her that it's something something like the event of the titanic or world war one that quote a black swan event is a highly improbable event but also one that upon closer examination was predictable fucking pamela's like thanks <laughs> actually i think she's like thank you so much and then thinks like great i don't want to read this <laughs> like, 
cool. Thanks for the book. I'm kind yeah. of going through something. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm busy. I don't want more homework. Like thanks. Um, anyway, the girls go visit Eileen. They have brought a yellow blanket and yellow tulips as it is her favorite color. They meet Mrs. Nielsen, who is Eileen's mother. She's anxious and smoking and wearing too much perfume to cover up the smoking. She tells the girls before they go to see Eileen that she doesn't remember anything. And so they have told her that she's been in a car accident with Jill, who was driving. Yeah. Questionable decision, eh? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know either. I didn't really take a stance on it in my mind, but like, it doesn't feel appropriate but no. like I don't know what it is in that situation either. Eileen is a little embarrassed by her hair right now. Um. Oh, and her jaw is also wired shut. She just like tosses that in there at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go in and they see her. They give her the yellow blanket. Um, she wants to write to them, and she asks if Roger and Denise got back together. And Pamela ends up saying like pretty much just yes because it's like what else Mm -hmm. do you Mm -hmm. do a woman then enters the room turns out it is the same woman who had chewed the press and burnt someone with a cigarette when they were trying to exit the building she introduces herself to pamela as martina cannon but most people call her tina um after they leave the hospital pamela can't remember where she parked their car which is like yeah on a good day i can't remember where i parked my car so mm-hmm. i can't even imagine. we did walk around the winner's parking lot trying to find mine last week yeah. it's all good yeah yeah it was a small <laughs> parking lot like imagine a giant city hospital no nah. no um so they decide to get a police escort back to the house they need to go back and get some more stuff tina insists on driving them instead once they arrive tina asks pamela to hang back a second to chat So she tells her that this whole thing has been reported in the New York Times, um, and that is when Pamela finally understands the gravity of what has happened and how big it is, like how um, essentially, like, I think at one point she says that she, I think in the very beginning, she mentions that, like, her name became footnotes in the story, but that Mm -hmm. it is, like, this is a big thing. Um. And she also tells her that she branded that reporter with her cigarette because he was saying really terrible things about the girls before they came out. And so if she is to ever give an interview in the future, she can ask all the men to roll up their sleeves and she knows which one not to trust, which I was like, that's actually amazing. Yes. (laughs) Honestly, I think I'm going to like this. I think I'm going to like Tina. Yes. Me too. I'm like, who are you? Um, So Tina asks her to tell her what he looked like, and she produces a wanted poster with a name of who we find out is the defendant, and his black vacant eyes look back at Pamela. Tina says, that's the man you saw. Four years ago, he killed my friend Ruth. Okay, so that means we're with Ruth in... Issaca, Washington, and it's the winter of 1974. So we're with Ruth, and she is pointing to a poster for a complex grief group. Her mother does not like the thought of her going into strangers' houses. She's like, no way. Ruth offers that her mother could drive her or even go with her to this grief group. 
Um, and she, the mom is just like, what if you don't even like it? And we've driven all the way out there to this group <laughs> and we don't even like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, how does she even know that she's suffering from complex grief? And like, what is that even? Um, but Ooh. obviously Ruth thinks that she's pretty sure she is suffering from complex grief. We find out that her dad had passed the previous summer. Though finally, her mother is telling her that she can go to the grief group, but she's already missed the two while she's been trying to figure out if Ruth can be trusted, which I'm like, what is this? When she drops her off, her mother tells her to be smart, which is also interesting. So we're at Francis's house, who ends up being the counselor. Um, turns out that this group is about 10 women and they walk in and they're already like praying. And this makes Ruth very disappointed because she wasn't was hoping that it wasn't going to be a religious thing. Um, and she remembers almost being or pretty much being expelled from her Catholic high school. It happens, <laughs> she, it ha- it happens to the best of us. Um there's already there's like a board of questions and there's already two crossed off, which are one thing that you did to make that you always did to make me laugh. And one thing that you always did to make me angry, the purpose of the group and what kind of complex grief is. And this would be like the loss of someone that you clearly loved, but may have hurt you or treated you poorly, held you back. Um, and each week they're going to focus on a prompt. They are like relating how grief is a chore and it's something that they have to work on every day. This is very like interesting. And mm-hmm. this part was, mm-hmm. and I'm probably not even doing it justice. No, justice. Justice. Um, justice. Justice. Um, she loves her father more than anything, but had made Ruth very mad right before he died. So I'm guessing she's dealing with some like gr- guilt and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. The prompt for this week is my support system includes dot, dot, dot. A woman starts talking about her sister who had lost her baby at six months gestation. Mm-hmm. Um this does not like compute with Ruth. I'm assuming maybe she is not a mother. Um, and she's just like, I don't care about like the turn up in your stomach, essentially. Um, and is like kind of judging the woman based on this. Um, but then somebody named Tina, who seems to be like kind of like know it all vibes yeah, right I was now. Know it all vibes. You know, in Girl Interrupted, the girl with yeah. the short hair, she's like that know-it-all. That's what I was picturing for Tina. Oh, <laughs> true, 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 true. So then we find out um, that this woman isn't there because of her sister's loss of a baby. It's because this woman has lost her three-year-old um, and she is survived still through this. So Tina tells about her shitty husband next and then ruth starts then about her ex-husband as well though she leaves out the part where he had been having an affair because she doesn't want people to think that she was unlovable at one point or isn't lovable or something like that um so 
she then explains that they are still close and that he's helping her out with something that's really important to her. So it's very cryptic at this point. Yeah. Tina obviously Tina obviously just stares at her and she seems like somebody who's always just trying to figure out what you're saying between the lines. Ruth and Tina are talking one-on-one after and she tells Ruth that you think you're coming for advice but instead you're learning on how to take responsibility for your feelings, which is a big concept for Ruth at this point. Um, But she says that this is her second cycle of this um, and that you'll see after like, come and ask me in a year how you're feeling. And we find Mm -hmm. out that Tina is also getting her license to become a counselor, which is why she's there for a second time. And when she's such a know-it-all. Exactly. True. It makes sense now. (laughs) Um, So so back in her mother's car, when she gets in, her mother jumps. But we find out that the whole town, like everybody, is on edge because a college girl disappeared from her bed with her roommate right next door. Yes. And hence why her mother was so crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Also not wanting her to go to strangers' houses. Yes. Also story checks out. Yes. Um, she tells her mother that she mostly listened, which appeases her mother. Said she says that's good, Ruth. Um, like there's something that she doesn't want her to mm-hmm, talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She warns her that she doesn't need to talk about all the decisions that she's made because that wouldn't be fair to her father. Um, she, her mother also tells her that she doesn't want to tell her brother that she's going to this support group because he'll wonder why she's not the one in there because after all, he was her husband. So the mom just seems kind of like, I don't garbage. know, kind of garbage. Yeah. I mean, that's so fucked up. If a parent said that to you, it's like, you do realize that I am half of that person. Like, my mm-hmm. DNA is literally mm-hmm. half. Like, I am connected to that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they're your husband, but, like, <laughs> they're my father. Yeah. Father, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. She tells her mother that that's not why she's going to the complex grief group. She thinks that this co- catches her mom off guard and thinks that she's about to apologize or stay- say thank you for keeping quiet her mm-hmm. continued discretion. Um, but she doesn't. She tells her to stop picking her face because she's breaking out right now. <laughs> oh, my glob. Uh-huh. So then we end off. She says, I was 25, so that makes it nine years. So then something happens when she was 16. I did the maths. So interesting she was mad at her dad right before she left her her i feel like we um the way that i divided this like i almost should have ended before ruth's chapter because we're getting like this like giant cliffhanger but maybe we'll find out like next week true 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 yeah i don't know where else this book is gonna go like obviously we've got a story following tina and pamela now like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like i don't know what more i'm wondering if that first part was all like kind of the more factual real life factual too. oh yeah like what we were learning yeah, yeah, yeah yes yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. like and then those are the things that we kind of know already just from the actual no, real life story yeah yeah like I'm assuming we'll probably hear about the trial in the book and whatever mm. but you you triggered my brain how in the beginning you had said that someone was trying to kill like 
2021 Pamela which is interesting yeah Mm -hmm. who is that true 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 Mm -hmm. very interesting Mm -hmm. well I want to keep reading even though the first part was a little hard because now I'm it's my peak it's peaked it's peaked your interest is peaked yeah there is like this kind of weird thing about like reading about something that you already know about Mm -hmm. however because I thought it would be like a little predictable but Jessica has really given these women like life voices and life life. yeah 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 so true true I'm also excited to keep reading okay well then goodbye thank you so much for listening please join us over at the book club babes facebook group for book discussions and to make your book recommendations or on instagram at bookclubbabes.pod if you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can email us at bookclubbabes.pod at gmail.com or contact us on our website at bookclubbabes.ca. If you love the Book Club Babes podcast, please tell a friend about us. And until next time, bye! bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.